Welcome to the aggressive life. We've been hitting a different gear this summer. Instead of having people in who I'm interviewing, I've been going through the archives of talks I've given to various audiences this past year, and I'm playing them, those talks, because, um, you know, um, this is called The Aggressive Life. I feel like I'm a little bit aggressive, and when I talk, I talk about some aggressive topics. Aggression isn't about domineering and getting your way. It's about making a way. It's about taking control of the things that you control and pushing things forward. The last live talk of the summer that we're going to give you was recorded a few months ago in Colorado while camping at the base of Pikes Peak. I'm actually surprised that Dirt found this to do. Dirt, how did you? How how do we have this talk? I'm, I'm, somebody I, somebody pulled out their cell phone and hit the record button on a voice memo while you were going around the campfire. All right. So if if it's not up to normal Dirt recording studio quality. <laughs> It's because from an iPhone, we think that the the content is important. We had guys join us from all over the country, wanted to spend a weekend off the grid. <clears throat> I talked about living a spiritual adventure. Spiritual adventure, that, that's kind of like an oxymoron, right? Like, like jumbo shrimp or government service. It just doesn't sound like it should go together. Shouldn't spirituality be this like, oh, this ethereal, I feel I'm passively getting spiritual. I think I talk about that in this talk, so I don't want to give away everything. But this event, guys, came because they've been curious, curious about an, another event that I, I helped start and run called Man Camp. It's a primitive weekend camping experience for men. It's meant to destroy, utterly destroy your spiritual comfort zone, to push you beyond your physical limits and maybe even your emotional and relational and spiritual limits and find out what you could be made of. Man Camp is happening again in October, October 21st to 23rd in Southeast Ohio. It's uh, There's a two-week presale that's just started. Uh, these You're not gonna find these tickets any cheaper than they are right now. It's only going to go up from now. So you can go to mancamp.us to learn more. And you can secure your spot for a can't, Miss Weekend. Now, who's ready for Colorado in an iPhone recording with a bunch of dudes who are dirty and grimy who just pooped in the woods that morning? I am. Let's get to it. I'm still stunned. Like, interact with some of you guys. Like, some of you guys just found an ad on Facebook and showed up. Unbelievable. Uh, another dude I found uh, saw a YouTube video I did of just talking about my truck and how I outfitted my truck. I'm like, oh, interesting. I'm going to come to this thing. <laughs> and uh, actually, someone told me, was that someone gave their life to Christ last night? Was that the, the, the YouTube guy? Who, who are you? But who gave your life to Christ last night? Who was up in the. Uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. That's Bobby! awesome. You had no idea where you were coming to, did you? You thought you were coming to a truck convention. It wasn't that guy. It wasn't that guy. Right. Anyway. It's a cool story, though. That's awesome. Mm. So I did a, uh, I, I did a book uh, a few years ago called uh, Five Marks of a Man. And uh, it's, it sold pretty well. And so I got publishers who want to do another book with me, which generally I'm not a good, uh, the writing process is not fun for me and, I've been um, putting together this book that's based on just the things I've learned out of following Christ. My whole thing, you know, I, I grew up in a church-going home, a really, like, 
far out there denominational church, never opened the Bible, just was talking social action stuff all the time. That's where I grew up in. And then I came to know Christ and my pendulum just totally swung over the other side of just Bible, 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 Bible. I went to seminary and somewhere in the whole process of that, I, um, I started to think that following Christ or the other word to know is discipleship, becoming more like Christ was about things like keeping the rules. It was about things like knowing Bible verses. It was about things like like having the right knowledge. It was about things like going to the church, going to the right Bible studies, going like getting into this like churchy spiritual goo where you just kind of are in and around it. And that's kind of what God wants. And when you really step back and take a look at the history of the Christian faith and the history of the Bible, it's not about meetings and about beliefs. Beliefs are important. Meetings are important. But like if you've, got a, if you've got a paper Bible, if you go to the back of your Bible, there's all these maps back there. Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples. Like, we, that doesn't mean much to us because a lot of us, we tra- we've been to other countries, we've been to other cities, we've been to other states. You guys have, some of you drove, you know, days to get here. You got to recognize that in the first century, when pe- where people were born, they died within a 10 miles where they were born. Like they didn't end of the world. What are you talking? Like these things of people going the maps and sailing all over. The- that was like mind blowing. That was an adventure. That was an adventure. Like Jesus was totally elevating their lid and taking them to a to a whole new place. That's what the spiritual life is. It's it's an adventure. Even today in our country, we have people who just don't get out of where they are. I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon with a friend of mine, Scoob, over there. I'm meeting up with our wives and another couple when we're done here, and we're going to head to the Grand Canyon. Uh, who's been to the Grand Canyon here? Holy smoke. That's a lot. That's awesome. It's my favorite place in probably the world. It's amazing. First time I went was about, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. I, uh, I rented a Harley. Lib and I rented a Harley, and we... We're going up and we stop in Flagstaff, and which is the closest city basically to Grand Canyon at that time. And I don't have any GPS. There's no smartphone at this point. I don't have a GPS. I just got paper maps. So we're in the, we're in the diner and I asked the woman, I say, um, who's serving us, I said, hey, um, how, how long is it from here to get to the Grand Canyon? She goes, uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. I said, well, is there a route? What, what route's the best route? She said, uh, I don't know. I've never been there. I said, really? Did you just move to Flagstaff? She said, uh, no, I've lived here my whole life. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Flagstaff, I think, is about an hour and a half away. We get there, and we hear more languages from all over the world than we hear English. You got people who are in Flagstaff, where people come from all over the world to see this wonder of the world. It's unbelievable. And you got people in Flagstaff who've never been there. <coughs> That's like the first century. That's like us in our spiritual life. This is where I am. This is where I've been born. This is where I live. And like, I just like do things in this area. I go to church services or I do this. I I, I just stay here. And that's not the picture that Jesus gives us. It's the picture of get on your boat and go to the other side of the world. Do something, have an adventure. All, All the stories in the Bible that are heroic for us, they're all weird people doing weird things. They're adventures. Spiritual growth isn't about an adventure. That's what it is. When Jesus gets a hold of your life, he takes you to places where you haven't been before. 
and it's uncomfortable. You, 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 you don't like it. The first time you climb Pike's Peak, it's an adventure. You don't know what you're in for. The second time, no, it's just something you do. You like doing it. And that's what the spiritual growth is. First time you maybe go to church, if you're, if you're an unbeliever or you're a new Christian, first time you go to church, it's an adventure. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna walk in here and like, what do these people wear? What do they sing? Do I have to have prayers memorized? Where, it, I'm gonna feel like an outsider. It's, it's a legitimate adventure. Fifth time you go, no, it's just something you do. And the, and the thing that you do isn't the thing that's gonna get you to the new place. That's what God keeps doing. He wants to keep pushing us, taking new territory. So my next book is gonna be all about that, about, about spirit, spiritual adventure. My uh, last book I did was called Five Marks from Man. I wanna kind of blend these concepts here. Uh, I'm gonna blend the concept of spiritual adventure, five marks from man, and then the orphan stuff we talked about yesterday. I'll give you a verse here. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Today, we'd rather say, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But when I became an adult, no, it doesn't say that. I became a man. Right? So, well, when I became a spiritually enlightened person, no, it doesn't say that. Because I became a man. Well, when I became, you know, emotionally actualized, you know, I became a man. Well, well, when I became not a stereotypical male, no, it says when I became a man, we go from childishness to manhood. Here's another one. First Corinthians 16, 13 says, it says a similar thing about this. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. We talked about love yesterday, right? All you do be done in love. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Like the, the average place you couldn't say act like men because people are gonna think you're talking about scratching yourself. <laughs> or you're gonna, acting like a man means telling inappropriate jokes or acting like a man being a toxic man or something. There's all these, like even act like a man, what, what does that mean? Well, it actually defines what those things are in here. Standing strong, being faithful, doing things in love, and my story with my dad that I shared a bit of a story of with last night, I kept trying to prove that I was a man. And proving that I was a man meant like doing, doing what I thought other men were doing. Abusing alcohol. Doing things with women and then lying about the things I actually did to show them I was doing some sexual conquest or some such thing. Um, I mean, I, I probably started liking tobacco so much because I wanted to be like the men who were on the football team who I thought were men, and I wanted to be like them. So I probably, probably where it started. Actually, it is where it started. Of course it's where it started. Like, no one puts a chew in their mouth the first time. goes, oh, this is great. I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> You're like, you're committed. You're like, I want to get to be like this because I want to be like that senior who's a middle linebacker on the football team, right? I want, I want to do that. And, and my, whole, my whole life was, a bunch of my life was like that. Jesus' best day in his life was when he gets baptized. And it's not because of the baptism, it's because he hears his father say, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. I hear people talk every once in a while like, well, God told me this, God told me that. I heard this from God. I believe God speaks, I've heard from God. I'm pro God speaking. I'm pro seeking the face of God. But I get uncomfortable when I hear people who just like talk about as if like God told you something every day. Well, if you're reading your Bible, because this is God's word, okay, God told you something. I, you recognize in all of the Bible, <clears throat> Jesus only hears from God three times. 
Now, I'm sure there was others that aren't recorded, but just three times. That's it, three times. And two of them are the exact same thing. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hears that as baptism, and then he hears it again. Um, he hears it again when he's in the transfiguration, when he's transformed from looking like just a man for a brief moment to his three closest disciples can see, oh my gosh, this guy's glowing. Who? this is more than a man. And he hears it again. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And everybody else there hears it as well. The third thing he hears is God says to him, he's praying through some difficult stuff. God says to him, I've glorified my name and I'll glorify it again. We never, we never hear anything where God says, and now I want you to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Never hear that. And now here's, your, here's who your 12 disciples should be. Pick them. And now here we, maybe God's nudging him to the fathers, but we, we never see that. And so I hear people go like, well, God told me to date this woman or God told me to, I don't know, whatever it is. That's like, mm, a few times, yes, but I just, some people wear that in their sleeve. I think a little too cavalier because it's like God, the father is giving Jesus his adventure and he's got to figure it out. If God told us everything to do, it wouldn't be an adventure. It would just be, I'm just doing what the map says. I'm going here, I'm going here. But when we, when we walk by faith, that's what faith means. Faith doesn't mean I, I believe stupid stuff that science has disproved. <laughs> faith means I think this is what would please God and I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm gonna head that direction. That's an adventure. And you end up being dependent on God because you're not sure how he's gonna meet you in that. This last, uh, I mentioned about, you know, my life was, has been difficult the last 10 years, five years, whatever, whatever it's been. The way I've gotten through it and the way uh, I've gotten to a really good spot, um, the train's not running 100 miles an hour down the tracks yet, but we're on the tracks and, you know, man, I'm, I'm really blessed with my life. The way, the way we got there is I had to look at this like, this is an adventure here. This isn't like, this sucks, why can't we figure this out? Or my wife's got to start doing that. Or why is she, she got to stop doing that? Or I got to start, or that person over there. You know, that's what Christians do. Like someone isn't doing the right moral thing. And as soon as you start doing the moral, right moral thing, then life will be better for me. That's not an adventure. But when stuff is difficult and you're walking by faith and you're going, all right, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm gonna do this. I think I'm gonna take a step here. I have the great friendships with people who are around the circle because we've, we've been in situations where we were incredibly uncomfortable, camping in the middle of a storm and our stuff is being blown over, being lost in the middle of nowhere and run, having run out of water. Like, how are we gonna get out of this? It's like, you feel like you're on the edge and then you figure it out and you bond with one another and you have new confidence as a man. Us as men, if we're just going from meeting to meeting, belief center to belief center, moral playground to moral playground, and we're not being pushed outside of ourselves, we're not gonna grow spiritually. You have to look, if you're in marriage, you gotta look at that whole thing as an adventure. Like, man, I, I gotta lay down my life for my wife. That's an adventure, that's not something you wanna do. And when you lay down your life for your wife in a way that you haven't before, you feel uncomfortable. I, I've, I've never done this before. The reason why the, the, the age of marriage for men keeps getting later and later and later and later and later and later and later is because younger men are increasingly uncomfortable ta talking to a real live woman. 
just don't know how to behave. Don't, I mean, if I was in college today, I could have, the, I could have anybody I wanted just because I could talk to them. <laughs> Younger dudes, they can't, they can't, they, they've lost conversational skills. They can text, they can't talk. But man, if you go up to a woman who's, you know, 50% better looking than you, but you actually can talk with her and make her laugh, she's yours because no one else can do that. But that's an adventure. Like, I feel uncomfortable if I go and talk to her. What if, what if she rejects me? What if she doesn't like me? It's an adventure, and we don't, we don't deal as, as adventures. We, therefore, we don't get married. married. Marriage is an adventure. Like, what am I getting into? Is this going to work? Can we make it? It's an adventure. And so we just keep pushing it off further and further and further and further. The reason why there's a... Um, well, there's a backlash against masculinity in our culture, and we call all masculinity toxic masculinity, is because there's been a lot of abusive males who actually have never become men. They've been boys. You can be a 15-year-old man, and you can be a 45-year-old boy. That has nothing to do with age, has nothing to do with whether or not you have a truck, has nothing to do with how much money you make. There's certain marks that define whether you're a boy or you're a man. That's why these things are talking about act like a man when I became a man. So I went down this journey of looking the, at the men in scripture, looking at the men that I admired and I looked up to, and there's, there's, five, there's five marks that come up again and again and again. Here's those five marks. And as I give these five marks, I don't want you to look at these and go, oh, I don't have that one. I'm a loser. That's not the right attitude. It's, ooh, I'm, uh, I'm a little weak there. I'm a little boyish there. That might be an adventure God has for me to figure out. That might be an adventure. I, I, need, to, I need to not go, oh, I'm a loser. I go, hmm, I need to figure out a game plan. That's, a, that's, a, that's territory I need to take. These aren't in order. There's no order. There's just five of them. One of them is this. Uh, a man has a vision for his life and a boy lives day to day. A man knows where he's going in his life. A vision is, a vision is, you know, if, if I'm here and something is here that I don't have, the distance between here and what I don't have, that's going to take effort and that's going to take time. If there's not something in your life that's going to take effort and time, then you don't have a vision. That thing out there, it could be, it could be start a business. It could be uh, the go into recovery and be sober. It could be uh, have a kid, pay off student loans, go to, go to college. It could be be a missionary. It could be start a church. It could be what? It's something that's like out there that takes time. Boys don't want that. Boys, boys live day to day. They wake up every day and they go, what can I do today to make today a good day? <clears throat> what can I do today to like today? What can I do today that'll just make me happy today and they can't do things or won't do things where there's delayed gratification where they're where they're where they're pushing out this is by the way this the, the orphan mindset goes through all these things so the orphan is only thinking survival every day they can't afford anything else that's if you know anybody in the foster care system or somebody who has foster kids it's awesome it's an amazing ministry the thing to fight with those kids is they've been through so many homes and they've been so abused like they're just today is all they want to get through. That's why school isn't ever important to them. That's why they can't figure out how to make relationships happen. It's just like, I got to survive today. That's why when I went through college, it took me seven years to get a four-year degree. 
You know, I wasn't not seven years to be a doctor. Seven years to get a four-year degree. Took accounting one three times because I was a boy. I didn't have a vision for school. I went to school because my parents paid for it. And so therefore, I would drop classes. I wouldn't show up for the final. Accounting one, I took three times. Show up, wake up in the morning, be like, ah, I don't feel like taking the final day. I would flunk the class. I'd take the whole thing the next year. What did I care? I was at college having a good time and someone else was paying. I was a boy. I didn't have a vision for what school would mean. Like, I didn't, I didn't think or have the vision of, hey, Brian, if you do well in school, you're going to have more opportunities to have more money to hit that vision of a cabin in Colorado someday. I didn't have that vision back then, but something like that. I didn't, and I, I never like, you'll have more opportunities in life. Men have a vision, boys live day to day. Another one is uh, a man is a team player and a boy wants to be MVP. God lives in Trinity, God lives in team. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, before he starts his, his public ministry, he's got a team. He's got 12 guys who are disciples. One of them's a loser. His name is Judas. I mean, even Judas, even Jesus hits a dud every once in a while. <laughs> if he goes 11 and one, you have a friend that's not a good friend. That's okay. Jesus had one of those too. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up too much. <laughs> but the whole team thing and, uh, and us being as lonely as we are and being as disconnected as we are isn't that we're bad people and we don't have friends. It's that we are in a boyish culture where we've lost the ability to make attachments and we're lonely. We're in a culture where people are orphans and we've lost the ability to talk and engage. Marriage is going down the twos because we don't see marriage as the greatest team I'll ever be on. It's somebody who compliments me, who's not like me, compliments me with my physical parts and compliments me with my gifts and all that stuff. Um, it's a team. Boys, boys don't want that. Boys just want today. They want to be all-time quarterback. Everything focused on me. I want, to th I want to do things that I want right now, and I'm not going to you know, bend myself over and make myself uncomfortable for you. Again, the orphan mentality doesn't have space to really love people. It doesn't have space to lift up other people. It's only about survival for that day. What do I get? What do I want? Third one, uh, men are protectors and boys are predators. Why did Jesus go to the cross? He goes to the cross to protect us from hell. That's why. He goes to the cross to protect us from the wrath of God. People have a real hard time understanding you know, the wrath of God. I mean, if God's a just God, we get upset when the court system doesn't give somebody the, the due penalty they deserve. It really, it really pisses us off, right? Yet we think that God wouldn't give somebody the due penalty that they deserve. What kind of God is that? You're not going to you're not going to respect a, a judge that doesn't send anybody to jail and doesn't doesn't discipline anybody. And yet we we expect God to not discipline anybody. No, you can, you can't respect a God like that. The amazing thing with Jesus does is he gets disciplined on our behalf. <laughs> he takes the spanking, and he does it because he's protecting us. He's protecting us from the wrath of God. Why, why does a man want to save? A man wants to save money, not just maybe for the vision he's saving, but he wants to be able to protect his family because I got something in the bank. Many of the times I'm in, a, I'm in a men's group and we find out a waitress is in a hard time who's been waiting on us in the mornings. We find her in a hard time and we, we cover her. We take care of her. Last time was a woman who, single mom, big burly son, in high school, probably about your size, 
football player. She couldn't afford to feed him. She couldn't couldn't feed him. We find those our heart broke. So like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna cover your groceries and you're gonna, gonna we're gonna cover your cover your uh, um, utilities for the foreseeable future. It's just what you do. We wanted to, want to protect. The council that might have happened up at MASH or when your friend counseled, they're just trying to protect you, keep you from really hurting yourself. But boys don't do that. Boys are predators. If a woman will give them sex, they just take it. Or they'll force themselves upon a woman or upon a girl to have sex. They'll say, well, well, she said it was okay. Okay, but are you thinking about your future marriage and if you can bring as little baggage as possible sexually into your marriage, you're actually protecting your wife. Are you thinking about her even if she's saying, let's go all the way? Are you thinking about her and she's gonna have a future husband and if you're not gonna be that guy, have you thought about the baggage you're laying with her and her husband? That her husband's gonna be wondering how you compare to him and what, how she's been around. It's just a, there's a whole thing we're not willing to look at and boys don't even open this conversation. Because boys want what I want. I'm a predator. I take, take, take. Take, take, take. But a man's a protector. Fourth one. Oh, by the way, again, the orphan. The, oh, here's another one. The fa- fascinating about this one on the protector. The Carnegie Institute did a study of all the people who were heroes that were that saw something and they stepped in. Like they see somebody getting mugged and they stepped in. They see somebody getting beaten and they step in. Of all those people who do that, 90% of them are men. Now, women are obviously very courageous and very strong and all of that. But I, I think it's interesting that 90% of everybody who steps in to a situation, a physical harm for themselves to protect somebody else, 90% of them are men. We, it's something I think God's put in us to protect one another. But again, orphans like, hey, problem's not coming my way. Or boys say, problem's not coming my way. I'm just, I'm just not stepping in. Four, man takes a minority position and a boy's gotta be in the majority. Boys are like, uh, boys and orphans are like pigeons. They're everywhere. You, know, you go down to the, go down to the local square, wherever you live, and just like, there's, there's just pigeons. They fall. They're just they're squawking everywhere, all over, all over the place, right? Just all over the place, shitting all over everything, and then and then they're gone. But they come in these massive flocks. That's that's what boys are like. They want to be with other people. When I used to do student ministry, trying to get kids to camp. If any of you were in student ministry, or you remember when your student pastor, if you were in church, they try to get you in camp. What's the first thing every junior high kid says when someone's trying to get them to go to camp? What do they ask? Who's going? Right, who's going? I can't make the decision for myself. What if I'm the only one? Who's going? Like, who's all the cool kids going? Like, who's going? That's why you guys who came here on your own, like, in some ways, my heart breaks for you because you, you weren't with some buddies who wanted to come with you. In other ways, like, wow, wow. You showed up someplace on your own, at your own, Aaron, where you didn't freaking know anybody? Damn. I mean, that's, that, that's a man move right there. That's, you're in the minority. That's, that's stunning. Men are like that. We're, like, we're not like pigeons that go in flocks. We're like eagles, birds of prey. There's not many of us. And there's not these huge flocks. But you're always hovering above the prey. You're always above it. I've given up voting for people who win. People I vote for, they never win. 
I just, you know, I, I have a belief system that's based on the scriptures and that's just not our culture. I mean, get me talking about sexuality in virtually any place. And I know I'm always looking like the curmudgeon. I'm always looking backwards. I always look unenlightened. I always look unloving. I always look, seem that way, but I, I know exactly how God's operated sex to operate. It's right in the Bible and it's simply worked. And so whenever I talk, I said, ooh, I'm in the minority. I never expect the culture to affirm the decisions I'm making sexually, to affirm the decisions I'm making financially, tithing. Like, yeah, like someone's going to, like culture's going to affirm me giving 10% to my church as a starting point. That's it. Yeah. By the way, that's an adventure. <laughs> when you start doing that's an adventure. And why would I do that too? I want to protect my church. I want my church to have the resources it needs. But I can go on and on. But as men, guys, we just got to be okay. Like not everyone's going to get me. No one got David. No one understood Gideon. The masses didn't understand Jesus. The masses put to death uh, 11 or 10 of the 11 disciples. One killed himself, Judas. The other 11, 10 of the 11 got put to death. That's an adventure. <laughs> I mean, if you're coming to follow Christ because you want a nice, easy, sane life, you're following the wrong dude. That's not what he does. Every spiritual, every single one, it's a life of sacrifice and joy and peace but it's an adventure. You're not signing up for a holiday inn. You're signing up for a journey. Five, a man, a man works and a boy plays. Boys wake up and they want to have fun. They want to be entertained every day. But, you know, a man works. Adam and Eve, they're put in the garden. Before sin comes into the world, they bite the apple. They should have done the, the euphemistic apple, the forbidden fruit. Before that, they're working. Before anything's gone on, they're working. It's an awful thing, man, when a guy says, I'm not going to work. Now, at some point, if you're in cor corporate America, you're going to get pushed out. Or you're not going to have the same level of energy that you had before. But no guy cannot work. You're going to have to do something. Your work could be, I'm going to volunteer at the local hospital. Your work could be, I'm going to show up at a place like this and do prayer thing. I'm going to, I mean, we, we got to do stuff. But this idea of like getting to a place where I retire, get to Florida and live the rest of my life. For what? To have the mosquitoes suck the blood out of your geriatric skin while you watch prices right all day? <laughs> like that, that, that's, that's going to do it? I'm really struggling with this with my, with my father-in-law. He was a spiritual giant for, for me. He's actually the greatest dad I ever had. Like, Actually, part of the reason why I married my wife, um, who is not my soulmate, by the way. That's another talk. <laughs> I was drawn to marry her in large part because I was drawn to be part of her family and have her dad in my life. Just a strong man who had a you know vision. He was going someplace and he, he could talk to me and look me in the eye, you know, and compliment me. Just like, didn't have that before from a guy who is the same age as my dad. Like, really, like, Really powerful. And, um, but I'm just kind of bummed. He, he retired at 55 and he's, uh, his 90th birthday is happening right, well, last week we had his 90th birthday. And he's been out of work for 35 years. And not out of work for 35 years, but filling it up with productive activity. No, just out of work for 35 years, watching Fox News for 35 years. It's terrifying to think of not working. I'm 56. 
I had a goal of retiring at 55 because that's all the boys told me that should be your goal, retire at 55. I feel like I'm just getting life figured out at 56. I feel like I'm just getting started. Like the idea of like cranking, getting out of pressure, eesh. You know, the church that we're in, um, like many churches, we're just, uh, and we're not the church we were three years ago. And uh, it's been tough, uh, really, really tough. I'll just push on all of us a little bit. Just let me be one guy, just push on you a little bit. I don't know most of you guys, I don't know what your church background is, I don't know where you are. But it is just really, really sad that we have believers who have a very firm political ideology, but they have no biblical theology. They can give you the reasons why you should mask or not mask, why you should be vaccinated, why not vaccinated, why you should be woke, unwoke. They've got this very like, this is what it is. You know, oh, what's, uh, what, 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 where do you see that in the Bible? Uh, it's like, they're not informed by the word of God. They've got their opinions and now they're just trying to get other people to conform their opinions because we got a bunch of pigeons. Just want to be with the masses. And so when your church, like the one I lead and start is, it's somewhere in the middle. You can't categorize this as left and right. You get a lot of people who are pissed off all the time. Some of it justifiably, because I do some do and say stupid things. Some of it's very justifiable. Um, but man, it's like, it's been an adventure to go, gosh, this is a lot of work. Like I knew how to start a church. I went to seminars and all that stuff. That was a lot of work. But I, I knew what I was doing. If you want to grow a church... I, I knew what I was doing. I, I talked to people. I went to, I read books and, oh, now you got to do multi-site. Now you got to make sure there's a, there was a plan and, and, you know, things would grow. And then you're in a place where your church is significantly less than it was before. And now like, oh, wow, I've got to do a church turnaround. <laughs> I got to do a church rehab. I got to do a church re-engineer. I have no idea what that is but I've been up for the fight and we've been seeing progress and we've been growing again. But the reason is because I say to myself, well, the reason is the grace of God. It's God, period. But the, the way I've found the energy is say, okay, this is the adventure I'm on. This is the adventure I'm on. And this is work. And that's what I do. I'm a man. I work. I don't just like cower and just find something else to do in life and now just go become an author full time or something like that. No, I work. That's what men do. So I think these are the I think for you all leaving here uh, today, this morning, I think this is stuff that you should be thinking about. Like, what's the adventure that God has you on? What is that? Because he's got one for you. Or what's the one he wants you to jump into? There is an adventure. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.